Welcome to the Popecast, Episode 5. This week we've got a Pope who was here to chew bubblegum and battle heresy, and he was fresh out of bubblegum. This Pope also convinced Attila the Hun to hightail it out of Rome. In short, he's one of the greats. Literally. This week on the Popecast, it's St. Leo the Great. Hey there, I'm Matt Sewell, and this is the podcast about popes for people who like history but aren't so crazy about dry, dusty history books. This podcast will be a periodic look into the lives of one of the 264 men who have held or are currently holding the office of the Vicar of Christ, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. Leo the Great was born in the Italian region of Tuscany, likely somewhere in the late 300s AD. Little is known about his early life, but we see him come on the historical scene around the year 430, when Pope St. Celestine I, named Leo Deacon. For two years, Leo served in Rome, but starting in 432, he was sent by the Roman Emperor to Gaul, modern-day France, to settle disputes between the military and civil leaders there. As it turned out, Leo was a naturally gifted diplomat, a trait that would serve him especially well later in life. Sometime during his diaconate, Leo commissioned a book by another soon-to-be saint, the monk and theologian St. John Cashin, to condemn the heresy of Nestorianism, which taught that Christ wasn't one united person and refused to call Mary the, quote, mother of God, or Theotokos in the Greek, literally meaning God-bearer. Instead, the Nestorians used the term Christotokos, or Christ-bearer, and claimed that it was only Christ's human nature that died on the cross, not the divine person of Jesus. Turns out Leo was just warming up his heresy canon, though. But we'll get to that in a bit. By the year 440, not only had Pope Sixtus III died, being venerated as a saint soon afterwards, but the Roman Empire was in steep decline. Barbarian invasions were on the rise, and the church was in dire need of a pope with both spiritual chops and political savvy. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit had just the guy. Leo was consecrated pope on September 29th, 440, to succeed Sixtus III. Leo was a very holy man, but as mentioned, was also extremely talented diplomatically and when it came to politicking and governing. In fact, because of the civil unrest and the declining influence of emperors in the West at that time, Leo was one of the church's first popes who had to play the dual role of spiritual and temporal leader. He was almost constantly dealing with the ambitions of emperors from East and West and playing mediator when things got especially rough. One rather famous instance was Leo's meeting with Attila the Hun. Yes, the Attila the Hun. In 452, Attila and his army were preparing to sack the city of Rome, but it was none other than our saintly pope who persuaded the barbarian king to turn around and leave. No one really knows what was said in that actual meeting itself, but what's known for certain is that A, it did indeed happen, and B, that it was Leo, not the other two civil leaders who accompanied him to the meeting, who ultimately persuaded Attila to retreat. Beyond that are different accounts, one in particular of which is pretty intriguing. There was a tale that Leo offered Attila gold, or that Attila was so impressed with Leo's presence that he reconsidered. But my personal favorite came from the writer Paul the Deacon in the 8th century. See, Paul's story claimed that during the meeting, an enormously giant man appeared, visible only to Attila, wearing priestly vestments and holding a giant sword. After seeing what appeared to be the gargantuan figure of St. Peter, or maybe Jesus himself, Attila apparently took off. No word on whether or not he wet himself, though. 
Bummer. Anyways, as far as Leo's greatest achievement, easily his most lasting one was his defense of heresy on all sides, which culminated in him defining the dogma of the two natures of Christ at the Council of Chalcedon in 451. So pretty much immediately after getting elected, Leo's sole priority was keeping the church whole, keeping it united. The Pelagian heresy, which taught that you could supposedly earn your way to heaven instead of it being a free gift from God, was still rumbling in the Italian city of Aquileia. It's worth mentioning that this is actually an accusation leveled at Catholics even today by some non-Catholics who believe that Catholicism teaches one must work their way into God's good graces. Pun totally intended. Leo also battled Manichaeism, a form of the Gnostic heresy which taught that the body and soul aren't actually unified. It was more or less a Star Wars-esque kind of belief that there were good and evil forces in the universe still in a cosmic struggle and generally that matter was bad, while the spiritual was good. For those keeping track at home, the correct teaching, of course, is that both body and soul are, to quote Genesis, quote, very good. In any case, Leo had no time for that nonsense. He insisted that the faithful point out the heretics, then demanded from said heretics repentance and a profession of faith, or otherwise face their own moral consequences. Leo even preached strongly to Christians to guard themselves against heresy at all costs. Understandably, at a time when all of civil society was crumbling around the church, Leo's duty as universal pastor compelled him to keep his flock safe no matter what. So when it came to the reason the Council of Chalcedon occurred, at that time the church was still working out all the technical details of Christ being both the divine Son of God while also being fully human. As a result, during Leo's time, what's called the Monophysite heresy was in full force. This heresy taught that Christ only had one nature, mono, right, meaning one, and physio, meaning nature. And it denied that Christ bore a human nature completely like ours. Instead, they taught basically that Christ, the divine person, was merely occupying a human shell, but wasn't actually fully human with a fully human nature. The correct belief, again, of course, is that Christ had two natures, human and divine, contained within his one divine person. After all, if Christ didn't have a fully human nature, he couldn't be like us in all things but sin, as we learn in Hebrews. And if he didn't have a fully divine nature, he couldn't actually be God. Of course, Leo knew this and fought hard toward the middle of his papacy to squash the growing heresy. This ultimately led to the Council of Chalcedon, the fourth ecumenical council of the church, where Leo could set down once and for all the true dogma of Christ's dual natures. At the council, the so-called Tome to Flavian, or, or the Tome of Leo, was read aloud to settle the matter once and for all. The account of the council actually reports, uh, after it was read, that the bishops cried out, quote, Peter has spoken through Leo, so taught the apostles, end quote. By the way, I'll put a link to the Tome of Leo in the show notes for anyone who wants to have a deeper look at that. So Leo reigned as Pope for 21 years in all, from 440 to 461 AD. Not much is known actually about his death other than he expired on November 10th, now the day that's celebrated as his feast day in the Western Church, and also that he requested to be buried as close as possible to the tomb of St. Peter, and his remains still reside in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. As for his legacy, his reputation almost needs no introduction. Leo the Great was the first of 13 popes to bear the name Leo, the last of which, Leo XIII, reigned at the end of the 1800s. Five of those popes Leo, including, of course, St. Leo the Great, 
are recognized as saints in the church, the others being Leo II, Leo III, Leo IV, and Leo IX. St. Leo the Great is also one of now four popes to have the title The Great added after his name. This isn't something official necessarily, but rather something that's just given by popular acclaim because a pope's especially greatly renowned among the Christian people who knew him. The others, of course, are Pope St. Gregory I, St. Nicholas I, and our own St. John Paul II of happy memory. So speaking of popes, it's actually Leo we have to thank also for giving us a greater understanding of what's referred to as Petrine primacy, the fundamental Catholic principle that it's the Bishop of Rome who rules over the whole church in communion with the bishops of the world, but standing as a distinct head over them. It was something Leo preached and wrote about very often, perhaps sensing that the church needed a strong, visible head at a time when chaos seemed to be the road down which the Western world was heading. At one instance, Leo wrote, quote, Although bishops have a common dignity, they are not all of the same rank. Even among the most blessed apostles, though they were alike in honor, there was a certain distinction of power. All were equal in being chosen, but it was given to one to be preeminent over the others. So today, through the bishops, the care of the universal church would converge in one sea of Peter, and nothing should ever be at odds with this head, end quote. So to mention a last bit about Leo's legacy, he was actually made a doctor of the church, one of just 36 individuals whose contributions to the church throughout the ages are of special worth. And he was made so by Pope Benedict XIV in 1754. And it was actually another Pope Benedict, Benedict XVI, who devoted one of his Wednesday audiences to the great pontiff back in 2008. Just 10 years ago, the latter Benedict praised Leo for his prolific sermons and writings. As we mentioned, 100 sermons and 150 letters still actually exist to this day. And Benedict also gave nods both to Leo's talent as a pastor and for the deep faith in Jesus Christ, which filled the veins of his papal ministry from beginning to end. Quite a pope. Easily one of the best ever and definitely in my personal top five. So to take us out this week, since we're fast approaching the season of Lent, another pun, dang it, here's a quote from the Sermon of St. Leo's on the importance of everyone observing some sort of fast ahead of the Easter season. Leo says, As the Easter festival approaches, the greatest and most binding of fasts is kept, and its observance is imposed on all the faithful without exception, because no one is so holy that he ought not be holier, nor so devout that he might not be more devout. For who that is set in the uncertainty of this life can be found either exempt from temptation or free from fault? Who is there who would not wish for additions to his virtue or removal of his vice? Seeing that adversity does us harm and prosperity spoils us, and it is equally dangerous not to have what we want at all and to have it in the fullest measure. There is a trap in the fullness of riches, a trap in the straits of poverty. The one lifts us up in pride, the other incites us to complaint. Health tries us, sickness tries us, so long as the one fosters carelessness and the other sadness. There is a snare in security, a snare in fear, and it matters not whether the mind which is given over to earthly thoughts is taken up with pleasures or with cares, for it is equally unhealthy to languish under empty delights or to labor under racking anxiety. End quote. Man, Leo's just the greatest. Anyway, Thanks for listening. As we go, the success of this podcast will rely on two things, aside, of course, from the grace of God. First, to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes 
Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you're listening to this and providing feedback on what you think. The more you rate, the more likely it's seen and listened to by others, and the better feedback I get, the better the podcast can become. And second, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Sewell. That donation, even at a buck per episode, will get you some sweet Patreon-only content, early access to podcast episodes, and will allow me to continue devoting time to producing these great bios. So that's patreon.com slash M-A-T-T-S-E-W-E-L-L, patreon.com slash Sewell. Again, thanks for listening. That's it for this week. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. Until next time.